welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Almighty God, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit now upon us as a gathered people, as the body of Christ, as, as your sheep who need to be fed from the pastures of your word. Lord, I pray for everyone this morning. I pray for those who come with hard hearts. Lord, break up the fallow ground. Draw the plowshare of your spirit through those hard and stony hearts. Break up the fallow ground. Lord, I pray for those who come this morning with cold hearts. Send the Holy Spirit and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they will be created. Lord, I pray for those who come with tender hearts. I pray that they would be refreshed and encouraged. And as we hear your word proclaimed, make us, Lord, give us grace. Make us hearers and doers of your word, not hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, long before um, I ever got to Winston-Salem, although I think Winston-Salem has always lived in my heart, uh, but, but even well before 2008, probably back around 2004, 2005, there was a core group of people who were meeting here uh, in Winston-Salem thinking about praying for God to start a new Anglican church in this town. And part of the studying they were doing, one of the things they did is they had the Henry Blackaby Experiencing God uh, study. And it's a book. It's a book by a great Baptist pastor and teacher, Henry Blackaby. Uh, you know it was a long time ago because it was on VHS. That's right. We've already, we've gone from VHS through DVD and now it just streams. It comes out of the, out of the ether somewhere and gets to a screen in front of you. But part of what, uh, that group learned in that study was that look where God is actually already moving. Where is the spirit actually already stirring? God is doing something and learn to get on board with what God is actually already up to in your midst. And you know what? I think that there is something stirring at Christ Church through multiple conversations. I think that there is a move of the Holy Spirit in many hearts in our congregations right in our congregation right now. It was actually articulated by our bishop last weekend when he spoke about where the real action uh, for ministry in the church is located. When the bishop met with those who were going to be confirmed, he reminded them that they were going to come into the flow of God's authority in order for them to minister in a new way. And I really love the picture that the bishop gave. And actually, this is my word picture uh, uh, that I'm attributing to the teaching that our bishop gave us. But it's like we have God's authority is being poured out upon his church. And I, th I saw it as like a great big funnel with some kind of precious fluid flowing through it. I don't know, maybe something like beer. Um, 
I don't know, you know, but the, but the power and authority of God is, is coming down and there is, um, and it comes into his church and it flows through human pipes, so to speak. His authority for ministry is flowing through, through human pipes. And the idea that I got as he was talking was like part of confirmation was like we have, you know, like human PVC pipes. I know this is a weird analogy, but, uh, but you're, but you know, you've got the, the funnel of God's grace and authority, his authority for ministry flowing down. And what confirmation does is it moves you over directly under the flow of the spirit of God so that God's authority flows in you and out from you for ministry. And I just thought that was a wonderful idea that God is giving us his authority for ministry. He reminded us that we were going to be able to minister in a new way. God's authority was to flow through them as lay people to do ministry in the world. And I would say that since last fall, I have had multiple interactions with people who feel like God is stirring something within them. This is so encouraging. The Holy Spirit is stirring something within them. They feel like they are being activated for ministry in the world. They almost have the sense that their spiritual engine is revving up but they haven't been put into gear. They're like sitting in the driveway, revving the engine. They need direction. They need to be put into gear. You have an impulse. You have the energy for ministry, but you don't know what to do with it. And I wonder if that is some of us here this morning. You have the impulse for ministry, the energy for ministry. God is stirring you for ministry, and you don't know what to do with it. Some of us have expressed the concern that we may be, we may are being held back from expressing that. That maybe perhaps there are structures in place at Christ Church that impede that call to ministry. Perhaps there's even an undercurrent of clericalism or professionalism that communicates that only ordained people or staff people are eligible to do ministry. And you know, I thought about this. There's a, there may be things that we're doing that create that atmosphere. But I also thought about this, that we're like two blocks from a, an important teaching hospital. And all those people who really know what they're doing in that teaching hospital are walking around in long white coats. And those long white coats are there to communicate I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me my business. You stay in your place. I'll care for you, but I've got the professional know-how and experience. And what do we wear? We wear long white garments. <laughs> now, I want you to know that's, by the way, I had to say this in the first service. I'll say it in this one. I love those white garments. Thank you, doctors. Thank you, physicians, that you know what you're doing. And I know you're not trying to communicate that. We hope the patient is a part of the own, their own health and wellness program with us. I understand that. I'm right there with you. But all this is, is just this is the garment of the baptized. And in the ancient church, every born again, baptized. When you got baptized as a believer, they gave you one of these things. Now, I'm not sure you could wear it to many social outings, but you still got an alb. It was, and in fact, you wore it for eight days. They called it bright week for eight days after you were baptized. You wore that garment everywhere you went. People said, you're weird. But anyway, that's, this doesn't communicate exclusivity. It's supposed to communicate the commonality. We all are baptized and all called into ministry. 
Well, this morning, if you feel like that you are revving up and need a place to go in ministry, or perhaps you felt that you are revving up and you're being held back from ministry, this message is for you. This is the trumpet call for you to join the fray. This is the clarion call for you to join the battle, to go from being a frustrated spectator to releasing God's call on your life for ministry. And I want the Word of God, I want for the Word of God this morning to equip us and to release us for ministry this morning. And by the way, as often is the case, you may think, gosh, I wish so-and-so was here this morning. They need to hear this. I think that every Sunday, you know, uh, but if that, if you know somebody that needs to hear this, we do have a podcast. And so go to the Christchurch website, get that link and share this message with them because I think they need to hear it too. Now, the first thing that we need to realize as we look back to the scriptures we heard this morning, and looking back to Luke chapter 10, the gospel reading that Deacon Ann read for us, <clears throat> we need to realize that our Lord Jesus Christ calls not some of his followers, not a handful of his special elite followers. No, he calls every one of his followers to be an active ministry in the church and in the world, in the church and in the world. Every baptized, born-again follower of Jesus Christ is by default, if you have been born again, indwelt with the Spirit of God, you've been baptized, God's Spirit has poured out that saving grace into your life, He has equipped you and called you to be a minister. You are gifted and called for ministry. Jesus does not intend that any of us be spectators in the Christian life. You need to, you can't be that kind of tater. You have, you can't be a, you can't be a spectator. You have to be a participator. This is bad, bad pastor humor. So, which is right there with bad, bad dad humor. It's the same. I think it's on the same uh, gene in the human uh, genome. We're not called to be spectators in the Christian life. We're called to be active ministers in the Christian life. Our ministry as lay people can take a lot of different forms, a multitude of different forms, but all of them have to do with extending every one of us, all of our ministries have to do with extending the kingdom rule of our King Jesus throughout the world. The rule of King Jesus to be extended throughout the world by us. That is our calling for ministry. Look back again with me at Luke chapter 10. It's on page 868, 868 in your pew Bible. And we need to look at this passage and ask ourselves as we come to the, this first verse of Luke 10, chapter, one, chapter 10, verse 1, what's going on here? What is the context? Well, in those verses just prior to where we get to in Luke 10, we have Jesus teaching his disciples about the cost of discipleship. So Jesus says, okay, this is the cost of discipleship. It's a discipleship passage. And immediately following that in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, Luke writes, listen, 
after this. After what? Jesus teaching on discipleship. So the context is discipleship. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out ahead of him. So this context of discipleship, Jesus sends out 72. Who are these 72? Where did, we don't even get one name of the 72. I don't know who any, who any of these people were. You know who they were? They weren't the 12 apostles, or at least it doesn't say it, that group contained the 12. It's not a special clergy cast that gets sent out in this group of 72. No, these 72 are just, listen, this is a critical word. I want you to li- listen and learn to love this word. They are ordinary disciples, ordinary. Uh, the other day when the bishop came here, uh, he gives us like a four-page clergy health form that we're supposed to go through. He asks a lot of prying questions. Like, you don't even know that old man. You're not the boss of me. You're not my real dad. No, um, he, asks a, <laughs> he, he asks a lot of questions, personal questions about our spiritual life. And, and one of the, and, it, and there was actually a direct question, you know, describe your spiritual life. And I wrote on that, that sheet, I said, uh, my spiritual life is ordinary. And I mean that in a good way. There is a goodness to the ordinary Christian life. Because who does Jesus send out? He doesn't send out the shock troops. Evidently, he sends out ordinary followers just like you, just like me. Just plain old disciples. And not only are we sent, that ministry that we're sent into is essential. Our ministry is essential. If you'll look to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's on page uh, 959 in your pew Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. St. Paul compares the church to a human body. He calls us the body of Christ, and he says each believer plays a critical part in that body just as each organ or member of a human body is essential for there to be wholeness and health in the physical body. Each organ, each part of the human body is necessary. Now, the members of the body, the organs of the body differ one from another, but they all have an active role to play for the body to be healthy. So listen, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, many organs, many parts, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. So listen, here's the point. Not only is our ministry as lay people permitted, not only is your ministry as lay people allowed, it is essential for the body to function properly. It's essential if you have a body where all the organs are not functioning, at best that body is very sick and at worst and most likely it's just dead. I want all of my organs functioning. I don't think I can do without a single one. And I think most of us acknowledge the same thing. And in the same way, without you functioning as that critical member, that organ, that part of the body of Christ, the body of Christ suffers. 
In fact, by the way, the reason that there are called, set apart, ordained people in the first place, the very reason that there are people who wear the weird clothes on Sunday morning is to equip the laity for ministry. That is our reason for existing. That's why we're here. If you'll look at Ephesians, we heard that read this morning, Ephesians chapter 4. Gary read that, chapter 4. Look at verse 11. It's on page 977 on the bottom right-hand page of your pew Bible. Page 977, it says, And he, who is the he? Christ Jesus. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Why did he give those? Why are there these ordained, set-apart activities or or roles in the body of Christ? Why why do those, those exist? And he answers that question. To equip the saints. Now, that means you. Saints, saints are us. You are the saints. You're maybe not capital letter saints. You don't have to wait for somebody in some town far, far away in Italy to canonize you. All right? You are a saint by virtue of the fact that Christ has set you apart. That's what it means to be set apart to God. Through your born-again conversion, you are set apart to God. Your baptism has marked you as a saint. To equip who? The saints, ordinary disciples for the work of ministry. That's why you have apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's why we exist. The whole purpose for the official positions of leadership ministry is to equip God's people for ministry. Now, I know if you're listening carefully, you're saying, Ben, you're being redundant, 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 redundant. Here's why I'm being redundant. Because the narrative that is playing in your mind is redundant. The one you carry around every single day is just telling you the same story over and over again about I'm not allowed to do ministry or I'm not worthy to do ministry or it's not my role to do ministry. That is a redundant, bad narrative. And the only way to replace it is with redundant, good narrative. You know, this this thing about preparing God's people for works of service, for works of ministry, it's a lot like coaching basketball. I, I know so much about that. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> you know, you know, we are, we look, we live in the college basketball center of civilization. I didn't realize just how blessed I was by growing up, uh, having the fortunate uh, experience of being born in North Carolina, that this is where people from everywhere talk about the ACC. Now I know the ACC includes people who have never seen the Atlantic coast. But they're still in the Atlantic Coast Conference. But nevertheless, you are in basketball mecca. And we are in deep, deep basketball season right now, deep in the heart of the basketball season, college basketball season. So just think of your favorite ACC team. The coaches of the team know that game better than any of the players. They've been through many, many more seasons than any of those players have. But when game day arrives, who goes out on the court? It's those seven-foot-tall guys in shorts and basketball shoes. You see, the coaching staff equips the team to do the actual playing of the game. 
Do the coaches work hard? You bet they work hard. When the players have time off and when they're on vacation, the coaches are studying video footage of games. They're dealing with administrative issues. They're planning practice time. They're dealing with the personal struggles of the player players. But coaches don't play college basketball. If you send your coaching staff out to play all by themselves, your team is going to get clobbered. It's like I said this in the first service. I can just think of Coach K out there with his walker <laughs> on the basketball court. No. You know, that same thing is true of the church. Those in ordained ministry are the coaches. That's the coaching staff. But often we've been on teams that sit on the sidelines and watch the coaches play the game. Sometimes it's the coaches that won't let the players get on the court. Sometimes the players don't think they're allowed to get on the court. Some churches, usually in established older churches, some churches look to the coaches, look to the pastor to be the vicarious Christian. You're the guy we hire to live the Christian life for us. It is no wonder that we are getting clobbered. That was never Christ's intention for His church. Real ministry, real effective kingdom ministry is only done when men and women get off the bench and on the court and play the game. So every one of us is called to be in ministry. It's not optional. But the good news is that Jesus does not just call us into ministry and say, I sure hope that works out for you. No, Jesus empowers us and equips us for the ministry to which He calls us. And the very first thing that is necessary to be empowered, this is a critical point. If you don't hear anything else, listen to this. The very first thing that is necessary to be empowered is to realize that you have no resources in yourself to pull this off. I confront this every day. You have to confront this too. If you seek to do ministry in the power of the flesh, in the power of your own personality, or your own drive, or your own conviction, you will burn out and become embittered. You will possibly even be shipwrecked in your faith if you are operating in your own, in your own strength, in the strength of the flesh. Listen to what Jesus says back again to Luke chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. Luke 10, 3 and 4. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. You know, the very first thing I think of when I think of a lamb is food. That's certainly the way wolves look at them. You know, when I was growing up, I didn't like lamb. I like lamb now. It's good. That's some good eating right there. Why in the world would Jesus say, I'm sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves? Think about it. What, what kind of defenses do, does a lamb have? How many ninja lambs have you ever seen? 
How many battle lambs? I am fluffy battle lamb. Fear the lamb. No, none. That doesn't happen. I watch a lot of anime. I have my own inner narrative. No, lambs are, lambs are defenseless. And we're sent out in the midst of potential harm. People who want to eat lambs. Why would he do that? Well, I guess lambs, since they can't protect themselves, have to depend on someone else to protect them. Who protects lambs? Shepherds protect lambs. I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. And then he gives, Here's, here are your supplies. Get ready. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. What? I am sending you out with no personal, I'm sending you out defenseless with no personal resources. You have no, listen, lambs, you have no personal resources. Why would he do that? So that you will have to rely on God alone for your ability to do ministry. You have no personal resources. Jesus intentionally sends out those he calls to minister with no personal resources so that they will be utterly dependent upon God. Well, I feel like Jesus is calling me to do something, but I don't think I'm smart enough or talented enough or educated enough. I hear that all the time. Or wealthy enough. Well, if that's how you feel, great. You are just about ready to go into ministry. You now know that you have to be totally dependent on God. And why would he do that? Well, let me think. Let's think about this. If I'm not capable in myself of doing this, and yet by God's Holy Spirit, I'm somehow doing this ministry, lives are being changed, things are happening, the kingdom of God is being extended into the world, things are really happening, people are going to look at that and they're going to say, wow, you did a great job, and you're going to say, it wasn't me, then who gets the glory? The shepherd gets the glory. King Jesus gets the glory. And you know what you're going to think? You're going to think, thank you, God. Thank you. I see you doing something through me I never expected. I'm going to tell you a quick story, real quick. Uh, last Sunday, um, you know, we had the bishop here. And there's a lot of things that go on when the bishop comes. And a lot of those things require my, my presence and attention. And then the week gets compressed ahead of that, which means that I have very little time for sermon preparation. And I was going to preach. I wasn't going to get, you didn't get a retread. <laughs> you know, this was not a retread this past Sunday. I had, I got up and I just, I was in a place. God had put me in a place, not cause I was slack or sorry. You know, if you have to be from the South to know what it means to be sorry, it doesn't mean you're apologetic. It means you're good for nothing. All right. I wasn't being sorry. I just did everything I could do and ran out of time for sermon preparation. And I was praying and just saying, God, I didn't want to be like this. I got up on uh, Sunday morning. I got here at the church. I was here at 6.23. And between 6.23 and 9 a.m., I sat down and wrote a sermon. And I want you to know, I think I went back and I listened to that. And here's what I thought. 
You are a good, good God. You did not let your people go hungry. You fed them even though I didn't have anything to bring them. You fed them. Thank you, God. You're a good God. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how you'll feel too. I didn't have anything to give in that ministry, but Jesus used me. He called me and sent me, and I had depended on him, and he did it. And Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit to empower us for ministry. This is critical. We, you hear that word so much here at Christ Church. I know at some point it's just blah, 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 blah. No, the Holy Spirit is God himself. God himself. Who pro, it is the promise of the Father. He lives in every, in every baptized, born again disciple. The Holy Spirit resides. And not only does he want to live there, he wants to fill you up too. We leak. We need to be filled over and over again. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power to do ministry, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends and to the end of the earth. Jesus Christ has given us God himself and the person of the Holy Spirit residing in me to do the ministry to which he has called me. And he is in you too. And if you're feeling stirred to ministry this morning, listen, Christian, that's who's making you feel that way. You feel your engine for ministry revving up. That's who's making it rev up. That's the spirit of God in you. And back once again to Ephesians chapter 4, God does give us ordained leaders who are there to equip us for ministry. How? Through what we're doing right now. The teaching of God's word and the due administration of his sacraments, these means of grace are what we offer you to equip you. All authentic Christian ministry, all authentic Christian ministry exists within structures of authority, oversight, and encouragement. That's how God's authority for our ministry flows into our lives. Okay, listen. I, I know that being Anglican is not the only way to do church. Thanks be to God. He is so much bigger than what we're doing here. And I just see amazing fruit happening in places you would never expect. Folks where they just think Anglican, what is an Angelican? What is an Angelican? Are y'all angelic? No, Anglican. So it's happening everywhere, but thanks be to God. I see, here's what I have experienced personally and give thanks for. I, God has chosen to mediate his authority and through, as a means of grace, strength and encouragement for ministry through other people into my life. He does it in your life too. He does it in many different kinds of denominations. But for me, thanks be to God, I've got a godly bishop. And when I can have a conversation with my bishop, I get direction from my bishop. I am encouraged and equipped for ministry. And he gives you that too. Thanks be to God. He gives us pastors and teachers for that same purpose. We need to put this gift of ministry to work. I don't want to belabor the point, but look, if, if you are, if you're being filled with, with the grace of God, you're being called to do ministry, you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit to do ministry, you've got all the nourishment you need to do ministry, and you don't do ministry whether because you feel like somebody's keeping you from doing it or because you just don't want to do it, you will become a toxic Christian. That, that ministry needs an outlet. And then your life is fresh. It's just like clean water th flowing through you that whole time. 
Now, you may be asking yourself, what kind of ministry am I called to? Well, all our ministry is offered to the end that God's kingdom come, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But God has uniquely formed and gifted you in a certain way to serve him as he has chosen just for you. Hear me. There will never be another minister like you. There will never be another minister like you. You have been given a unique role in the body of Christ. God has uniquely formed and gifted you for ministry. That ministry can be in so many different ways. I almost don't want to give a list because somebody will say, I didn't hear my name on that list. I didn't hear my ministry on that list. I'm not called to do anything. No, but let me just give you some examples. There's more than this, but that ministry can be the extension of the kingdom of God by overturning oppression. Human trafficking is a huge problem. There are more people in slavery, real slavery today than there ever were at the height of human slavery in the 19th century and certainly in the United States. There are more people in bondage, slavery today. Did you know that? Most people don't realize that. It's a huge problem. Human trafficking, systems of injustice, The need for the protection of the unborn. These are areas where God's kingdom needs to break in. It could be answering the call to homeschool your kids or serve in Christian education or help out in vacation Bible school. If you are part of this church, whether you wanted it or not, you got kids. (laughs) You might be an unwed parent. You have children. Through their baptism, they are your kids. It could be in healing ministry, through prayer ministry, or maybe working at the free clinic, or maybe being one of those people who do wear the long white coats. It could be in mercy ministry, offering relief to the poor. It could be in the arts. I think that people don't realize this, but please listen. If you are an artist, you need to know that that is not like outside the sphere of things you can do for God. God loves the, God is the author of beauty. Why do you think you have that gift? It could be visual arts. It could be the, it could be literature. It could be so many different things. That's your gift for ministry. Use it. And listen, I, I want you to, I want you to be free. If you're an artist, here's your freedom. Ready? You don't have to, you don't have to, to paint something beautiful and stick a Bible verse on the bottom of it. Beauty itself proclaims the glory of God. It does not need, you don't have to paint a little house with some light coming out of the windows and stick a Bible verse on the bottom of it and think you're a Christian artist. You can paint a lot of stuff. Sculptures, paintings, works of literature. It could be in creation care and conservation. It could be caring for the environment. It could be caring for widows and orphans. The list is as limitless as the areas of life in this world where the kingdom of God has yet to break in. That's your ministry field. God, this is Max Lucado. God has, he said, God has enlisted us in his navy and placed us on his ship. This is no cruise ship. It's a battleship. We aren't called to a life of leisure. We're called to a life of service. Each of us has a different task. Some concerned with those who are drowning are snatching people from the water. Others are occupied with the enemy. So they man the cannons of prayer and worship. 
Still others devote themselves to the crew, feeding and training crew members. Though different, we are the same. Each can tell of a personal encounter with the captain, for each has received a personal call. He found us among the shanties of the seaport and invited us to follow him. Our faith was born at the sight of his fondness, and so we went. We each followed him across the gangplank of his grace onto the same boat. There is one captain and one mission. Though the battle is fierce, the boat is safe. For our captain is God. The ship will not sink. For that there is no concern. Now on your pew this morning, there is a sheet of paper. It's called a ministry prayer sheet. And you'll know why it's called a prayer sheet in just a minute. But I want you to take out your ministry prayer sheet somewhere on that pew. And I'm going to walk you through this sheet. And then I'm going to give you, as we walk through it, a few minutes to fill it in. After you've filled it in, I want you to fold it over and place it in the offering baskets as they come around. And then what will happen after that is I will follow up with each sheet by praying for you and then inviting you into a conversation if you are seeking to be released into ministry. And I want you to understand very clearly, this doesn't have to be any kind of servant team at Christ Church. It could be, but it doesn't have to be any ministry that you know of at Christ Church. I'm talking about what the Spirit of God is stirring up in your heart. Well, I just feel called... I feel called to devote myself, you know, to raising my kids. Yeah, that's a ministry. I feel called to complain about how you're raising your kids. That's not a ministry. (laughs) So once you've filled it out, fold it over, put it in the offering basket when it comes around, I'll I'll follow up with each sheet by praying for you and then inviting you into a conversation if you're seeking to be released into ministry. And finally, as your church family, we I invite you to be prayed for and commissioned for the ministry that you are being called to serve in. We will commission you as a church to acknowledge that God has indeed stirred you up for that ministry. So take a look at that sheet of paper. Knowing that Jesus Christ grants me permission, empowers, and commands me to serve Him in His in the church and in the world... As his follower, I commit to follow his calling on my life and serve him as his minister. So here are some of the ways you can respond. I am already serving God in lay ministry in the following ways. Some of us might run out of space. Go ahead and put that down right now. I'm I'm serving God already in lay ministry in the following ways. And by the way, you can actually check every one of these boxes. They're not mutually exclusive. The second thing there is that I sense God calling me to lay ministry, and I know it has something to do with ellipsis, dot, dot, dot. And you, so you may not have a, a, a precise grasp on it, but you know the broad scope of it. I actually have heard somebody recently say, I, I feel called to do ministry with widows and orphans. Now, that's a very broad ministry topic. How are you going to do that? You don't have to have that precision right now. Just what area? If you know what it is that God is calling you to, put that down there. 
Or how about this? I sense God calling me to lay ministry, but I'm not sure how. My engine is revving. I'm in the driveway. I know I'm supposed to be going somewhere, but I don't know where it is or how I'm going to do it. Let us know that. And then I would like to have someone help me discern what God is calling me to do. It could be me or Father Chris or Father David or a lay person who is serving already in ministry in Christ church. If you don't know what it is and you are seeking some discernment, we've got people that can help you discern that ministry in your life. So what I want you to do now is just fill that out. You'll have more time as we go through the season of prayer that we're about to enter into in just a moment. And then when we come to the offering time, fold that sheet over. If you don't mind, print your name. Don't, especially if you do wear one of those long white coats, you, I won't be able to read your signature. So, no, just print your name out. That way I will pray for each one of these by name, and I'll be praying for what God is calling you to do, and then we will have a conversation. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me now? Father God, I thank you that I'm looking out this morning on a congregation of ministers. Lord, I thank you for the order of ministry, the order which is called the laity, the, the greatest, strongest, most penetrating order of ministry in your church. Hallelujah. You praise you, Lord God, that from, the, from men and women and boys and girls in this room right now, each one of them is a minister called and set apart for you, for you Lord, for your purpose in the world. Lord, open eyes, open hearts, reveal where you are calling us into ministry this morning. And then, Lord God, remind us that we are, are utterly dependent on our shepherd as we go out to serve you and equip us in the power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts.